celebrating over two decades of consecutive broadcasts on the great game of horse racing in Las Vegas. The Race Day Las Vegas show thanks all of our listeners and sponsors for your appreciated support. The following is a Race Day Las Vegas presentation in association with Sirocco Productions Limited on the Race Day Las Vegas radio network. Gaming capital of the world, time for Race Day Las Vegas, covering the sport of kings with a Las Vegas perspective. Now to the race desk with your host, Ralph Sirocco. From the backstretch to the turf club, at the race books and on the internet, to all horse players around the world, a good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Race Day Las Vegas radio program as we begin another racing week, Las Vegas style, from your gaming capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, right here at our studio station, home base, Sports Talk, 1400 AM. We welcome you to the Race Day Las Vegas radio program. It is Preakness week. No triple crown up for grabs, but an interesting race anyway. And we'll get into that a little bit today. Today on our show, we have uh, Jonathan Hardoon who's going to chew a little fat with us. And John Lendo. John Lendo and I have been sitting on a story that we read a couple of days ago. And he has investigated it since in Southern California. It's really going <laughs> to, I mean, really. And they're having a meeting about it, I understand, today and tomorrow in the California Horse Racing Board. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little later on. And, of course, Jerry Jackowitz will be along with us for his thoughts today. We've got your uh, menu recaps and, of course, uh, uh, the Twin Q results from Sunday. So we're just getting started on this Preakness Week here at the Race Day Show. We welcome you on this Wednesday. It is the 18th day of May, 5182022. That's your date. Rolling right along, aren't we? And i got to tell you, the weather here in Las Vegas is beautiful. It's starting to get. We're starting to get into those temperatures uh, that we uh, is the threshold of our big summer heat wave, right? And so today, starting out here in Las Vegas at uh, a little bit after 7 o'clock in the morning, 72 degrees. Right now it's 72 degrees here in Las Vegas. We're going to get up to a 100 degrees today, 100. Looking through the week, tomorrow we're going to have some winds back. Oh, my goodness, the winds. You know, we've been really... It was really nice the last couple of days. No wind, just uh, nice out. It's going to be 102 degrees tomorrow with wind. That means red flag warnings here in Las Vegas, as it is today really, because with the dry weather, weather and the low humidity, it is just, uh, it's just aching to have a fire. So this is, we get fire warnings out there. Be real, real, real careful out there if you're here in Las Vegas. Certainly today and tomorrow with the wind. Oh, my goodness. Fire starts and it'll be crazy. So anyhow, and then after the wind comes through, you know how we when we get the wind, the cold front follows it? Well, that's what's going to happen. Because Friday, we're only going to top off at 84 degrees. And it's going to be in the 80s, uh, 88 Saturday, 95 Sunday. So after these couple of hundred degrees and the wind on uh, uh, tomorrow, we'll be uh, getting into really, really nice weather. But for uh, today, right now it's 73 degrees here in Las Vegas. But we are really concentrating, are we not, on the weather in Baltimore, Maryland for the upcoming middle jewel of the Triple Crown, the Preakness Stakes, and, of course, two big days, two huge Stakes race days at Pimlico on Friday and Saturday. We welcome everybody listening to our shows, by the way, in Baltimore and around the world, really, at uh, our different uh, websites and platforms of streaming that we have, like our websites, racedaylasvegas.com, .vegas, .world, global, and your smartphones, your iPhones, your Androids, your 
Uh, you get your KSHP radio station phone app so you can hear us now on your devices. And, of course, anywhere you do your podcasting, we're there as well. So welcome you. We welcome you, no matter where you're at, no, how, no matter how you come to us. On this Wednesday as we begin the Preakness Week. So now that you got the weather here, looking across the country today, up and down Pacific Coast, clear. Gulf Coast, clear. Atlantic Coast, clear. All the action is uh, from the Great Lakes area right in the Midwest area. Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, right in there. A lot of rain and stuff happening. But, you know, the weather patterns go from left to right, west to east. And so if there's there's a lot of weather in that part of the country, what is it going to be when it starts rolling into the eastern part of the country? Well, today in Baltimore... Uh, it's 77 degrees. All right? But by tonight, that front that we're talking about in the Midwest right now, in the Great Lakes area, is going to make its way to the East Coast. And by tonight, uh, the Baltimore area is going to have a 91% chance of rain. And that'll go through Thursday. It'll go overnight through Thursday. By the time you get to Thursday, it's going to be partly cloudy, a little sun pitching through uh, after the front moves through, and about 18% chance of rain on Thursday. Friday, Friday, which is the day of uh, the black-eyed seasons, uh, it's going to be, they say, mostly sunny. Little clouds in the air, but mostly sunny. The front will have passed through, 10% chance of rain. And then on Preakness Saturday, Saturday, Ooh, the temperature rises to 96 degrees. We're talking about humidity there in that part of the country with 96 degrees. But it's going to be sunny, nice and sunny, very small chance of any precipitation. So that's the way it looks at Baltimore for the middle jewel of the Preakness, uh, the Preakness Stakes. Uh, and by the way, in case uh, you haven't seen the field yet, which was drawn on Monday, here's the deal. Grade 1. Mile and three sixteenths, obviously on the dirt there. The purse is a million and a half dollars, one point five million, and of course it's for three year olds. So here we go from the rail out. There were expected to be ten, but Uno Ojo came up with that uh, bruised foot again. Uno Ojo was uh, they detected uh, more uh, situation with the uh, the foot, so he has been declared out after his workout. So he's not in. So here's the field of nine. Number one is Simplification, uh, trained by Antonio Seno. John Velasquez writing Simplification, Morning Line 6 to 1. The two is Creative Minister. Kenny McPeak trainee, Brian Hernandez will ride 10 to 1. The three is Fenwick. Now, Simplification is an offspring of Not This Time. Creative Minister is an offspring of Creative Cause. Number three, Fenwick is a son of Curlin. Florent Garot for Kevin McCathan. Long shot, 50 to 1. Fenwick. Wow, he got thrown in there, didn't he? All right, number four is Secret Oath. That's the Kentucky Oaks winner, the D. Wayne Lucas trainee, the Philly. Philly, uh, daughter of Arrogate. And, of course, uh, Luis Haez will ride 9 to 2 on the morning line. The five is Early Voting, a son of Gunrunner. Chad Brown trainee, Jose Ortiz riding at 7-2. The six is Happy Jack, son of Oxboro. Doug O'Neill trains, Tyler Gaffleone's going to ride for the Calumet Farm at 30-1. to one. The seven is Armanac. Armanac is that uh, horse that was a late entry with, uh, for Tim Yachtin. A son of Quality Road, he will be ridden by Ired Ortiz Jr. at 12-1 to 1 after winning an impressive allowance race uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago. Number eight is the favorite, Epicenter. Son of Not This Time, you know he reeled through all of the Louisiana prep races, including the Louisiana Derby, ran a hell of a second in the shocking Kentucky Derby a week and a half ago. Joel Rosario will ride for Steve Asmussen and 6-5 to five on the morning line. And then rounding out the field is number 9, Skippy Longstockings, a son of Exaggerator. Junior Alvarado riding for Safi Joseph Jr., 20-1. to one. So it looks like <clears throat> the, the 
I guess the story of this race and the dynamic of the race is the filly against the um, very consistent Colt Epicenter. So you're going to take Epicenter's going to take on the filly. The Derby second place winner against the Kentucky Oaks winner, and you throw in the X factor like Armanac, and you got a pretty good, uh, pretty good Preakness going on. The 147th running of the Preakness Stakes to be run on Saturday. It'll be race 13 of 14 races. Got a lot of action going on, a lot of action going on at uh, at Pimlico between Friday and Saturday. Here's how it's going to line up. As we move through the week, Friday's a big day. At Pimlico on Friday, you'll have the Grade 3 DuPont Distaff, the Hilltop Stakes, the Grade 3 Miss Preakness Stakes, the Very One Stakes, the Pimlico Special, a Grade 3, the Black-Eyed Susan, a Grade 2, that's for the three-year-old fillies, the Black-Eyed Susan, the Maryland, uh, and that'll be on Friday. Okay, Saturday, Preakness Day, here's how they'll line up. The Maryland Sprint, a grade three. The Gallaret, a grade three. The Skip Pat Stakes. The Dinner Party Stakes, a grade two on the turf. The Gallaret is also on the turf. The Chick Lang, a grade three. The James W. Murphy Stakes. The Sir Barton a mile and 16th on the main track. This is for the three-year-olds that didn't quite make it into the Preakness Stakes, the Sir Barton. You have the Jim McKay Turf Sprint, obviously on the turf. And then you have the Preakness, a grade one. All happening at Pimlico. Good old Hilltop is going to be rocking and rolling come uh, Friday and Saturday for sure. Looks like the weather will pass through between today and tomorrow. And we should have... Uh, the tracks should be okay, but if you're going to get 96 degrees <clears throat> in that part of the country on uh, Saturday, it's going to be muggy. I mean, it's going to be the humidity will be high because that's just the way it is in that part of the country, okay? So kind of, we're kind of setting you up for the Preakness and all that good stuff. But like I say, going to have a good conversation with John Lindo about something going on. Uh, kind of, uh, it could be. Groundbreaking, if it ever gets through. So I'll just tease you with that, okay? And uh, so we'll go to our first break. Back from our first break, I'll give you the menu, and then uh, we'll chew fat with Jonathan Ardoon. Let's see if he's on a soapbox for anything. You know, he hasn't been on a soapbox for a while. Yeah, we'll see. All right, don't go away. We're just getting started on Preakness Week. Las Vegas style here in Las Vegas. We'll be right back. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and a $50 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Details available at all sportsbooks. Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer. Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the racebook right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our racebook is completely separate from the sportsbook and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service, bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our IPTs. Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered. from drf.com is the exclusive past performance content provider for the race day las vegas show 
Alrighty. Great time of the year because, uh, you know, a lot of the racetracks, uh, there'll be uh, some tracks, new tracks on our menu, like uh, Canterbury Downs back in business. So that's good stuff there. And all that good stuff. And, of course, you know, as we get into the uh, summertime and we get near Memorial Day, we got all those big races across the Memorial Day weekend. And as you know, uh, we do not normally broadcast on Mondays, but uh, for Memorial Day we do, for Labor Day we do, you know, those special uh, holiday Mondays when the tracks are in full tilt. And, of course, where 4th of July lands. So, anyhow, but... uh, Right now, what we got to do is get the menu of racetracks available for you today. Yes, we do. We're going to get the menu. There you go. All right. Here's the menu of racetracks available today. There's only six tracks on the menu, but then, you know, it gets pumped up. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is a slew of them. So we will give you the menu, uh, the abbreviated menu for today. Remember, the first post times we broadcast on the show each and every day reflect that at the Pacific Time Zone. If you're here in Las Vegas in the Pacific Time Zone, these will be the first post times that roll out in our race books today. If you're listening anywhere else, through uh, the miracle of all of the streaming we have, websites, phone apps, podcasting, however, wherever, whenever, and you are not in the Pacific Time Zone, you know what to do. You should anyhow by now adjust to the Pacific time zone from whatever time zone you are in so you do not miss anything. I don't want you to miss anything like I miss mom and dad, okay? So here's our short menu for today. Ready? Okay, here we go. Uh, We begin with uh, Finger Lakes. Now, uh, I do believe Finger Lakes is on the menu, but I also uh, thought I saw they had problems with entries there. So we'll wait and see. I know they canceled out the other day. But Finger Lakes, if they go, they're scheduled to go at 10.10 this morning. All right? Coming up next is Presque Isle Downs. First post time, 10.30 at Presque Isle. They're back in business now. Presque Isle Downs is. And again, their first post time at Presque Isle Downs is set at 10.30. Then we go to Horseshoe, Indianapolis. Horseshoe, Indianapolis. First post time at Horseshoe, Indianapolis is 11.30 today. They have a pick six jackpot carryover of 22214 bucks. And the first post time again at Horseshoe, Indianapolis. All right saying that. <laughs> 11.30. All right, next is Canterbury Downs. Opening up now again, Canterbury Downs is back in business in Minnesota. Canterbury Downs has a first post time of 3 p.m. 3 p.m. at Canterbury. I should say Canterbury Park. used to be Canterbury Downs. Now it's Canterbury Park. So Canterbury Park, which is the same thing as Canterbury Downs. Still, first post time is 3 o'clock this afternoon. All right, then comes Evangeline Downs. Their first post time is 3.30. And we wrap it up with Charlestown. Charlestown has a first post time today of 4 p.m. 4 p.m. at Charlestown. And that is your menu for today. Their pick six jackpot, by the way, Charlestown, $3,166. Kind of small. All right, that's the menu for today. But we're just ramping it up, as you know. And and it'll get uh, intense in the next couple of days, that's for sure. We go to Jonathan Hardoon now standing by. Jonathan, good morning. I'm sure you're well-rested now after your Kentucky Derby uh, antics and all that. First, I guess, uh, how's uh, CyberKnife doing? He's doing fine. Uh, He's pointing towards the hostel uh, during the summer, but I'll have a race before that, some sort of overnight stake, I guess. But uh, they're taking it easy. They backed off on him. He came out of the race great, and uh, no reason to push him at this point. No, not at all. Haskell might be a perfect place for him, huh? Well, the owner is born and raised in Jersey, so oh, well. for him it's a big deal. It's, then, a, you know, it's an no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a knockdown, yeah. that's for sure. Well, uh, your thoughts about, uh, you know, the aftermath now in the three-year-old division as we move along and uh, the fact that the Derby folks decided not to go for that elusive triple crown. They're doing, as they say, right by their horse. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, he probably would have been, I don't know if he would have been 30 to 1 in the Preakness, but uh, listen, chances of him winning probably weren't that great. So they did the smart thing, you know, that passed and, uh, 
the problem is that uh, deep, deep closers never win the Belmont. You know, everybody thinks it's a mile and a half. So, oh, you got to get the guy that's going to come from out of the clouds. But that's not the way that race is run. It's really won usually by horses in the top tier that just grind. You know, a mile and a half isn't like any other race they've ever run. And uh, they probably won't run that distance again uh, for the rest of their careers, to be honest with you. So it's not so much a, a race where figures kick in and, and uh, numbers kick in. It's more a, a case of whether you can handle the distance or not. And for the most part, again, those races are won by horses with tactical speed, not dead closes and deep closes that have to come from the clouds. And the, the Derby winner, that's the kind of horse he is. So, you know, I don't know if he'll have much of a chance in the Belmont. You know, the uh, configuration of Pimlico Racecourse, if you, uh, and I'm sure they'll have an overhead view now that they get these drones doing everything now. They used to have a helicopter overhead, but now they got these drones doing it. Looks kind of like a, an egg, right? It's it, The first turn right. is a little bit sharper. The last turn is a little bit more sweeping. And um, it usually plays, doesn't play to really a deep closers at that racetrack. I mean, it usually plays for horses who are at least in a striking position in the early part of the game, uh, the, the race, don't you think? Yeah, I agree, Ralph. You're not going to see horses coming from out of the clouds, you know. Usually not, unless the race totally collapses. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, I don't think you're going to see that. <laughs> you mean totally collapses like uh, the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where they all came back to the winner. It's not oh. so much that the winner went by everyone. <laughs> they were more or less coming back to the winner. Yeah. That's for sure, and we'll have uh, we'll have we'll have a lot to uh, figure out the bias of the racetrack and all that stuff with all those races before that, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, the, the question is going to be the weather, and it, again, it's supposed to rain tomorrow for sure. Like ninety percent, yeah, is a, a pretty good a, num- a pretty good chance that they're going to really get the rain. So, I don't know if that track dries out as fast as Churchill does, but Churchill is amazing. It was pouring there, and two hours later, the track was. You know, fast. Uh, that that track dries out faster than any track in the country. And it is amazing that they don't do anything to it. It'll just let it sit there, and it dries out. And then they and then they, uh, you know, they they crack it open from being sealed and and just go on with it. Right. right. That's what they did. Uh, now let the me. The interesting get... thing about about both the Oaks and the Derby is the favorites in the Oaks. The Phillies going to be the the Phillies. <laughs> They're all Phillies. Mm-hmm. Secret Oath is going to be the favorite, but she's being asked to do something she's never done before, and that's come back on two weeks. So to play a short-priced horse doing something they've never done before is, you know, a general no-no. And the same thing goes for Epicenter, by the way. All his races, all seven of his races, that's Mewson, spaced the horse's races perfectly. He gave him time off, and now he's being rushed back in two weeks, and he's going to be a short price. I would try to beat both of those favorites, and... uh, as we get closer, I'll give you my ideas on the races, but I think the favorites are certainly vulnerable in both big races this weekend. Because of the fact that they are turning around and coming back in two right. weeks that they're not normally uh, they're not normally Something they've doing, never yeah. done before, right. But let me ask you this. Uh, this I mean, Tim Yachtin brings Armanac in off of an, uh, an impressive, you know, allowance win, but, but really, he, here's another horse that's coming back quick. Yeah, that, that's the problem. You want to probably find a fresh face in the race, like early voting. You know, the, the, that horse hasn't been out since the wood back early April. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, that's the that's the kind of horse I would be looking for, a fresh face. And not, not, someone that, not only that, but the Derby was a grueling race. I mean, they went crazy fractions, you know. Uh-huh. And again, to come back on two weeks and play a horse like that at a short price, I don't think so. Can he win? Of course he could win, but, you know, what the heck? I'm wondering, thinking out loud, as sometimes I do, Tim Yachtin <laughs> sent uh, those two horses that were previously trained by Bob Baffert into the Derby, and I'm, I'm thinking that it was mostly a decision made by the ownerships. The ownerships wanted to go to the Derby, and so they went, but the horses didn't perform well at all, not anywhere near what they did in getting to the Kentucky Derby. Now we got Armanac that comes in. Do you think that maybe uh, Yachtin, again, as the trainer, 
Do you think that maybe he's being influenced by the ownership to say we want to go in that race, or do you think he he thinks this horse is really uh, you know of the quality? I honestly think that Bob Baffert still has some input and some say. I mean, you know, I guess it's against the law for him to be involved, uh-huh. you know, for those the ninety days. But a lot of strange things are happening. All of a sudden, you see horses that Baffert gave to Yakteen, now they're going to to Sean McCarthy. So what's going on? You know, was Baffert not happy with those performances or were the owners not happy with the performances and now they're giving them to McCarthy because um, Baffert's main assistant, uh, work, you know, is, is working with McCarthy of Barnes. Barnes, so, so you're, yeah. I, I think they're, oh, a little bit of going behind, around the, in the, in the, yeah, the back think, door with the rules. Yeah. Right, exactly. I think there are things going on behind the scenes that no one is privy to. And, uh, again, you're going to see there are horses that, that were trained by Yakteen all of a sudden back to McCarthy. Why? Because mm-hmm. Barnes is in the barn, I think. You know, I'm just I'm thinking out loud. Well, <laughs> and I could be 100% wrong. Well, that's your opinion, your speculation, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, I'm allowed to use my head. And if you take a step back and you think about <clears> it, why are they moving horses that will move from Baffert to Yakteen. Now they're moving them out of the Yakteen barn, you know. And uh, does that who in- knows? does mean, that include the two horses that ran in the Derby? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, because really one of them, yeah, Messier, Messier and Taba, I think, are both moving also because Taba, by the way, missed the work if you remember, yeah, two weeks out, or, and then. He worked in 36 the week before. That is something Baffert would never, ever do. Never, ever do. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. I just think there may be something going on behind the scenes, but eventually maybe we'll figure it out. Or maybe John Window knows when he comes on. Mm-hmm. You certainly could ask him. Very interesting, that's for sure. Now, I got to ask you yeah. because uh, this guy is the trainer of Cyberknife. Uh, Brad Cox got. Um, a 10-day suspension for a medication overage. Yeah, from a year ago. What I don't understand is yeah, why do they from a year ago. A year to, <laughs> from the Stephen Foster in 2021. Yeah. I mean, why? Why? Why do we wait a whole year to find out a suspension? Isn't that ridiculous? It's not like they came out and, and they appealed the suspension. This is the first anyone heard of it. They waited a full year. And imagine if you're the owner and you win that purse. Well, guess what? You now owe that money back to the racetrack. Too bad you spent it. Isn't there a kind of like a statute of limitations for, for those type of things, too? <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. seven years. I don't think you can come back in a year, but that, that's crazy. So I mean, they know the results right away. Why do we wait a year? Yeah. That's and, all I want. Even the Medina Spirit situation, why did it take so damn long? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about it, it was a, it's a painkiller. It's uh, what is it? Uh, Phenylbutazone. It's butazone. Yeah, yeah. It and, and it was an overage, and he got and he got he did something wrong, and he should be punished or, or whatever the punishment is, and that's it. But at least you know, serve it out in due time. Don't wait a year to hit somebody with a suspension like that. Yeah, that's the, the horse could have been retired by now. Well, that's, kind of, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. Now remember, this is the Grade One Stephen Foster of last summer, and uh, and they give him the ruling. And uh, <laughs> Cox said he waived his right to a formal hearing because, my goodness, if there's a formal hearing, that owner may have to pay the, the money back like in an, another three years or something, you know? Yeah. Um, the whole, uh, so he's got a suspension. It's going to run from May 23rd to June 1st. But that, that I, I just don't get that. Well, I don't get it either, so, but that's that's what they do. Well, yeah, that's what's wrong with the game. You know, things like this that, that turn people off. Do they not have to give a reason why it took so long, or do they just they don't have to? I don't know. They're, they're judge, jury, and everything else. You know? <laughs> it's wow. like, so that's it's kind of, joke. that's kind of, uh, you know, that, I got to ask uh, John Linda, who owns horses, obviously, and, and uh, may have, uh, uh, well, California. That's a whole other thing over there. I don't even want to get into that. That's that's beyond, uh, and we will get into that with him in a few minutes. But uh, nevertheless, it was really strange for me to see. Not that Brad Cox got 
a violation because a lot of these trainers push it to the limit sometimes with these things, and, and, and the test comes back. But a test on a horse that won a race last summer. I mean, really. Right. That's the crazy part of it. That's what I'm saying. If he did something wrong, fine. Find yeah. him guilty, give him the penalty, let him serve it, and that's that. Yeah. But to, 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 to announce it a year, and, and more than a year, actually, after the race is the craziest thing in the world. It certainly is, Ollie. Well, I want to, uh, you know, uh, you weren't with us over the weekend, but uh, we had a nice winner from you at uh, Belmont Park on Sunday. And uh, it was it's it was really uh, funny that Santa Anita, of course, nine races, there was a race at Santa Anita on Sunday in the fifth race. It was a, just a six-horse, I'm sorry, the seventh race. It was just a six-horse field. And of the six-horse field, you... Uh, Rich Ang and Jerry Jackowitz came up with horses, three different horses in the six-horse field. Now, Richie's horse was the first under the wire, but got disqualified, putting Jerry's horse up uh, in the winner's spot. So Richie's horse was placed second. Your horse was third. So if the if the listeners just boxed all three handicappers in that race, they not only hit the exacta, they hit the trifecta too. But it, was, it must have been a really... Uh, Intriguing race for handicapping uh, on Saturday, uh, Sunday at San Anita. All three of you guys came with something. But uh, you'll be back in business. And what uh, what's your schedule looking like this week? Well, uh, I'll have Tim go uh, both Friday and Saturday selections available this evening mm-hmm. uh, after 6 p.m. East Coast time. And then tomorrow, back to the usual, Belmont Churchill and Friday, Belmont Churchill and San Anita. All right, well, Jonathan, go do the honeydew list now, and we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Stay safe and be well. All right, you got it, my man. Interesting stuff. Good conversation with Jonathan. We got more coming up with uh, uh, John Lindo and Jerry Jackowitz, and I'll wrap your twin queue for Sunday at Station Casinos up next. Don't go away. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and a $50 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Details available at all sportsbooks. Back on Race Day Las Vegas, and uh, as you know, Station Casinos will probably be pumping up their twin queues uh, coming up to the weekend for the Preakness and, and uh, Black Eyed Susan's days. But uh, on Sunday, the twin queue at uh, Station Casinos, $5,000, featured the ninth race at Churchill and the ninth at Belmont. Uh, and the uh, ninth race at Belmont was the first of the two. Now, the ninth race at Belmont, uh, the winner paid $9.30, second horse paid five twenty. Ireto Tisa's junior uh, second win of the day there. Belmont, uh, of course, uh, Manuel Franco had two wins as well. And uh, Franco's second win came in the Gold Fever Stakes with uh, Sensi at 560. But the Twin Q, $9.30 and 5.20. Then the second half of the Twin Q at Churchill Downs was the ninth race. That uh, horse paid 1860 uh, and the second horse paid 280 to place. So the favorites were <coughs> in the gimmick both uh, both sides. And so the winning numbers were 1, 11, and 2, 4. And 26 winners each chopped up the 5000 getting $192.30 each. That the twin queue on Sunday at uh, Station Casinos. As I said, Franco and Irad had a doubles at uh, Belmont. Churchill Downs, uh, Tyler Gaffleone won four of the first seven races there. He's really doing well at Churchill Downs. And, of course, at Woodbine on a Sunday, the Jacques Carter was won by Arzak with uh, Mr. Kasushi Kimura paying $6.50, outrunning Tappet to win in Super Stonehenge. Uh, Justin Stein had a couple of wins on the card, but uh, Luis Contreras had three wins as well as uh, Kimura on, at Woodbine on Sunday. 
And at uh, Santa Anita uh, on Sunday, uh, uh, Phil D'Amato, trainer Phil D'Amato, had three wins on the day. Phil D'Amato, three wins on the day at Santa Anita on uh, on Sunday. Just a little bit of what happened over the weekend with our handicappers, et cetera. I'm going to bring in John Lindo right now. John, good morning. Uh, good morning, Ralph. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Looking forward to the practice this week and uh, everything else that's happening in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. All right, look, before I get started with, with this thing, uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, your schedule of Lindo reports uh, this week uh, with the uh, Preakness coming up. I'm doing Santa Anita each day, obviously, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Friday with the Lindo report for Santa Anita, I'll also do the six stakes races from uh, pre, uh, from uh, Pimlico, which include the Black Eyed Susan. And then on Saturday, in addition to the uh, Lindo report for Santa Anita, I'll do the nine stakes races from Pimlico, which include the Preakness. So, you know, it, it's not a full card, but it, it's the majority of each of those cards, and it involves, you know, the, the rolling bets like the, the pick six they have at uh, Pimlico Friday and that pick five, all stakes pick five at uh, Pimlico on Saturday. Yeah, all that, all the, the uh, good stuff, that's for sure. And uh, the big races, the, the, the races that uh, obviously mean something to somebody, that's for sure. All right, now. Uh, the California Horse Racing Board are going to be meeting. They have a meeting today and I believe tomorrow, too, on something that when I first looked at it, I said, well, I, you know, you always try to get anything you can through with the regulators. But this, it could be groundbreaking if they get it through. Explain. Well, what they're going to talk about today and it's a proposal by the California Horse Racing Board, it would require the owners of horses that win certain stakes races in California to provide the winning jockeys with a breeding season or a stallion share. Now, now think about that. Uh, as from an owner's standpoint, Ralph, you know, we're paying all the bills all the time as an owner. Um, and when, we, when you hire the jockeys, the jockeys are an independent contractor that are hired race by race. The fee schedules are set. You know what you're going to pay these guys. And so um, that, that's how these guys are paid. Now, there, you know, there are, are times that you get a horse, let's say like a American Pharaoh who won the Triple Crown. Yeah. Uh, when those horses are retired, a lot of times the ownership of those horses will give the trainer of the horse maybe a breeding season every year or something as, you know, uh, for the, the longevity of the work done right. and the success of the horse. So you know, I'm sure Bob Baffert probably can has an, an inter, uh, you know maybe a share to justify or American Pharaoh mm-hmm. Midnight Loot some of those horses. I know Lafitte Penkai as a jockey rode Skywalker throughout his career, mm-hmm. and he uh, the owners gave him a, a breeding season every year. In fact, I, I bought a, a season to Skywalker through Lafitte mm-hmm. a number of years back. Uh-huh. So I mean, it happens from time to time. But now you're getting into an area that I'm not sure the, the CHRB or any racing board should, I think they're sticking their nose where they don't belong. Uh, now you're requiring the ownership of a horse that wins a, a, a designated race to, to now include the winning jockey as part of the ownership? Yeah. Here's, the th- uh, here's, the, here's my thought. All of the examples you just said were voluntary by the owners to give what they believe a bonus to the participants, either the trainer or the jockey, for their uh, help in, uh, you know, bringing out the best and uh, acquiring the the record that the horse has for breeding rights. Okay, voluntarily by the owner. This and is it's like a body this, of work. It's a body of work bonus too, not yeah. just a one off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like. Uh, a company who has owns a trucking business, and they hire a truck driver to drive their truck, and he gets paid good money to drive the truck. And once in a while, at the end of the year, if the company has a good year, they may bonus the the good drivers for being on time most of the time or something, you know, bonuses, etc. Now you're asking when the truck driver retires and has made a living all of his life by doing what he wants to do, getting paid by the company whether they make money or not, now you're telling them, well, the the truck driver is, gets a percentage of your company now. That's ridiculous. It, it's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. I mean, uh, you know, you, you look at these type of things, and I just don't know where the course racing board should have any say in this type of thing. 
And, you know, to, to, if you do that, I guarantee you one thing. Horses aren't coming from out of state to run in those races. No. for They come out for one race and win it, and then, the jo- and then the jockey gets a breeding right? Why would the owner come out and cost himself ownership in his own horse yeah. to come out and run in a race? And it's not like the purses in California are so much higher than everywhere else in the country that it wouldn't matter. It does. Uh, this is, you know, and, and here's my note to the California Horse Racing Board. If you're looking for things to do, I've got a list of things that maybe you ought to look at first. <laughs> you know, how, how about, just as an idea, Ralph, we'll throw out a couple things. Uh-huh. What about maybe creating some kind of evaluation system and grading system for the stewards on their performances? Love we, that. We Love that. Every gambler know, loves that. Who, who, answers, who do they answer to for the, for the job they do? We don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for the California Horse Racing Board to require places that take California wagers mm-hmm. to, to re- require an alternate selection on the pick fours and pick fives after that, what we saw in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last year. They've yeah. had plenty of time. Mm-hmm. One, one of the ADW companies, Express Bet, has done it on their own, but they're still not requiring it. I mean, if I play the races in, a, in, a, in the sports books in, in Nevada and the race books, mm-hmm. I don't get an alternate selection, but I can if I go to the racetrack at Santa Anita. Yeah. That's not a fair playing field for all the players. No. Nope. That's something that maybe they ought to take a look at. Uh, you know, uh, we have all these perception rules against the owners. You've got to have all these vet checks. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Mm-hmm. Why not have require the racetrack to, to be the, the, the track surface to be approved for racing by horsemen that day. Why not put some of the onus on, on the racetrack to provide a surface that's safe for all the horses mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying, you know, you can't run, we don't like what, what, how your horse looks. Well, maybe the horseman can say, well, we don't think that track is safe. We're not running. You know, and, uh, and, and all the suggestions that you have made are very solid uh, suggestions that, uh, you know, would benefit the cons- consumer which actually pays the bills, and that is, of course, the players. So, I mean, it's, my thought was, even if you went to the the, the outlandish rule of, of, you know, the owner has to give, uh, why don't they give, then, the breeding right to either the horse, uh, like something like old, old uh, our friends, you know. Uh, old friends. Old yeah, friends for yeah. the retirement of horses or the jockeys uh, fund, uh, disabled jockey fund, something that makes sense and that people would sit there and say, okay, that's a good idea. Well, again, this is just coming out. I can't wait to hear the feedback when they try and put this around. And, and, and Okay, let's say for some ridiculous reason it would uh, get passed. Does that mean now as an owner, if I have a horse that wins one of these designated races and the horse is disqualified because of a jockey foul, can I now sue that jockey for the lost – uh, potential stallion value of my horse oh. because he lost this race. It opens up a whole can of worms. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And this now, this kind of snuck in last week. You know, when people were talking about the aftermath derby and all, I kind of snuck in, and it uh, they're having uh, preliminary hearings or whatever they have to do by virtue of state law uh, with the California Horse Racing Board between today and tomorrow's. Uh, regular racing board uh, meeting, correct? Absolutely. And if it gets past the preliminary talks, I'll be shocked. And if, they, if it goes any further than that, then I just won't own and race in California. Uh, as it, simple as that. And I've only been doing it for 35 years. And I got, but, no, uh, by the way, I got nothing against jockeys. They earn every possible time. No, no, not at all. But, I mean, that is, now you're, you're reaching into the owner's pocket. And, by the way, you know, uh, when a jockey wins a, one of those designated races and, and the owner of the horse is, uh, like, in the red for the year in the barn, do, do you ask the jockey to give him some money for that? Exactly. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of expenses and, again, a lot of overregulation right now in this industry. Mm-hmm. It's making – and the California Ra- Horse Racing Board is just making it more and more difficult to race in California. Uh, you, we see what the field sizes have done. Mm-hmm. We, we see all the things that are going on. And look at all the uh, look at all the ownerships and the jockeys and some of the trainers that are leaving Southern California. Another uh, big owner left uh, over the weekend, right? L and J Foxwoods, who ra- they race at the very highest level, the Roth family, and they're good people. They have great horses, 
And, uh, you know, they had a, a, a Philly uh, a couple of Saturdays ago mm-hmm. have suffered a catastrophic injury mm-hmm. named Speedcuber, had to be put down. And and then there were some hassles with, with uh, you know, uh, the track management and whatnot about mm-hmm. everything that's gone on. Right. And they just kind of said, well, the heck with it. You know, we'll just take all our horses out of California. And they have horses like uh, they just retired the good grass horse United, a horse like Subconscious, uh-huh. uh, Tapwater, who was a good affiliate, uh, the graded stakes filly, Luck. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they, they race at that type of level, and they race in Canada and the East Coast, up uh-huh. and down the East Coast. They're a positive influence wherever they go. They, they are very strong donators to horse aftercare and everything else that goes with the business. And you just don't replace owners like that. The quality of the stakes program in California now is going to dip a little bit uh-huh. because we don't have a barn like that supporting the industry. And, and, you know, we're talking about, I think, 10 to 13 horses leaving the Richard Mandela stable. Well, how does he replace those horses? And and he's as good a horseman as there is. And so, you know, it's things like this. They, they better stop and take a look. If you, if you took roll of the horsemen, the owners, uh, trainers, and jockeys that were here December 26th, and the people who are here now, there's a lot of pretty big faces and names that are missing now. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about not French people, but we're talking about trainers who have big stables, who have either been suspended or thrown off, etc., and are leaving because of being disgusted with the uh, with the uh, you know circumstances that they have to work under there. And also the jockeys are leaving. Uh, some of them are to higher ground. I'm mean, look what Flavian Pratt. Got right into New York, and he's been, uh, you know, giving the Ortiz brothers their run for their money, etc. It's just, it's an eroding thing, and when it starts going downhill, it's hard to turn it around, that's for sure. I want to keep you for just one, right after the break, I want to uh, just uh, touch upon a couple of more things, and then we'll let you go, okay? You got it. We'll be right back. Bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer. Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the racebook right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our racebook is completely separate from the sportsbook and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service, bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our IPTs. Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered. The Race Day Las Vegas Show, the only exclusive daily local media racing information source in Las Vegas. All right, back with John Lindo. uh, And, uh, John, uh, let me bring you back in. A couple of quick things. First of all, uh, we all know uh, Ken Tohill. He 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 rode for years in in Northern California. He rode his 4,000th winner on Sunday at uh, Prairie Meadows aboard a, a, a horse called Rainbow Sherbet. So congratulations to Ken Tohill. Unbelievable. He's still riding. I, yeah. I don't know what his age is, but he's got to be over 60 now. So, <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, he, he was riding when I was a kid. So makes me he, feel, he's been around a long time. Makes me feel good. And uh, <laughs> exactly. the big question is, what happened to Flightline? Well, he's tuning up for the Met Mile. He went five furlongs in 59.60. And he's expected to go in the uh, the Met Mile on uh, June 11th at Belmont Park, right? Yeah, he's still on track. He worked 59 and change over the weekend. He's on a once-a-week pattern, so he will probably work again this Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, whatever the, the, the schedule is for trainer John Sadler. But everything is a go right now. And that June 11th uh, Metropolitan Handicap is shaping up as a good race. Ooh, yeah, that'll be a Belmont Stakes Day, right? Yes, and you're looking at Speaker's Corner from back there, who is on a roll, yeah. and, and Flightline from the West Coast. 
and throw in throwing a few others that we've seen around the country, and it'll be a good one. Uh, well, we know life is good. Uh, probably won't be in that race because he's uh, heading for uh, either the uh, uh, the Grade Two John Nurad that happens on July second, or uh, prepping for the Whitney in the John Nurad. So things are starting to heat up. Uh, but I, I got to ask you one more thing because I know you're you're a baseball fan. Our AAA team here, the uh, the Oakland A's uh, AAA team, the Aviators. Talk about technology, and you know this was this was debated for, and it's been and been fought in baseball for a long time. But we are now experimenting with a robo umpire for uh, uh, strikes and balls. It's called the automatic strike and ball system. Can you believe that? That's pretty interesting. I'll have to see how that works. I do know one thing. I think the Aviators last time I had checked, they were out drawing the Oakland A's. <laughs> so, so uh, I, uh, no. they've been pretty popular out there, and uh, I understand. I haven't been to the stadium yet, but I heard it's a great place to watch a game. It is. It's uh, the best uh, AAA stadium in uh, the league uh, in baseball, and uh, but boy, a robo umpire for strikes and balls. This is going to open up a whole technical can of worms. I know it's going to be really exciting to watch that go. That's for sure. Well, we're all you know we're all third party umpires watching the games on TV. Sure. Why not have an umpire? Why not have a robot do it? Yeah, too? and we you know we're always. Are you kidding me? Is that a ball? What you you know one of those <laughs> things is going to be real. But who do you uh, do you scream and yell at the the uh, robot? That's for sure. I wonder if the robot can throw you out for arguing. Yeah. Huh. Anyhow, uh, it's going to be an interesting week, that's for sure. Lindo Report, of course, will cover all the big races for uh, Friday, uh, Preakness, uh, Black Eyed Susan Day, and, of course, on Preakness Day, uh, Saturday at Pimlico. So you got a Pimlico uh, abbreviated Lindo Report for the big stakes races on both Friday and Saturday, and, of course, Santa Anita as we continue there. And all i got to ask you, John, is I would love to hear tomorrow from you what happens at that first of the two-day meeting on this crazy uh, California Horse Racing Board proposition for the jockeys. Well, I, I think that meeting today is behind closed doors. If I get a report, I'll let you know. Oh, you got to have don't, I don't. I don't know if it'll be published, but if I can get something on it, I will. Oh, I know you. you. You'll have a fly on the wall somewhere there, that's for sure. Uh, well, they know how I feel about it, so uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know if they'll let me in the door. So. All right. Uh, Jerry Jackowitz <clears throat> didn't have much to say today, so he's uh, probably out golfing or doing something. He'll be back with us tomorrow, and I'm sure he'll have a thought or two on some of the subject matter that uh, we discussed today. But we're just getting started with the race day shows for this Preakness week, that's for sure. John, I want to thank you so much for sharing and sh- uh, chewing fat and sharing some time with us. But i got to tell you, uh, wow, talking about open up in the can of worms for horse racing. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, if they have nothing better to do, call me. I'll give them a list. And me too. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, you know what? Since Jerry is uh, smacking the seed, why don't we uh, just uh, have you do it? Have a great race day, everybody. <laughs>